Good evening, Monadnock Region, and welcome to Go Mode Tonight, the Monadnock Region's only weekly local interest comedy podcast. I'm here in the Space Lounge as your host, Christopher DiLoretto, and I'm here with my lovely co-hosts. Zoe Roten-Heinzman. And Sam Abbott. We're extra excited this week because our little segment that we typically do as the entire show is going to be a little bit shorter than usual because we're going to have some guests on. We are very, very pleased later on in the show to be joined by Bill Kennedy, Bob Herring-Smith, and Dory Drachman of the Peterborough Renewable Energy Planning Team. They are the task force that is dedicated to implementing over the next several years the um, actual tangible measures to accomplish the, I believe it's a carbon neutral goal for Peterborough of 2030 that the voters actually voted for in in one of our recent elections. It was a ballot question. Uh, So Peterborough as a town has committed to um, going fully renewable. Well, I'm not sure if it's fully. Re- I think it's actually it goes beyond carbon neutral. We'll ask them. It's, it's but fully it's, fully renewable by 2030. Yeah. Okay. So it's not even just carbon neutral. It's we're we're not we're doing all renewables um, by 2030. So they're going to come on and, and tell us a little bit about how they intend to do that. It, it's interesting, actually, Dory. I haven't. I don't think I've talked to Dory since then. But when Zoe and I were running for office last spring. On election day, we sat with Dory basically the entire day because that was, it was say, a recent election. It was last year's election. They were campaigning for people to uh, to vote in a positive direction on this question. I very much enjoyed my time sitting with Dory. I uh, I always, as as loyal listeners might expect, I, I always sort of fear that the person who's stuck listening to me talk all day long might not have a positive uh, feeling about me, but um, uh, Dory, I think, um, was a um, in, in enjoyed our company as well. I think it went both ways. So yeah, I'm looking it was, forward. To, it was a fun day. Um, I'm looking forward to that conversation, which we will have tomorrow. It is, by the way, it is uh, Thursday, February. Just trying to think what what month is the second month? February third. 2022. Um, so we are, of course, recording this on time. This episode will be out about a week from now. We are at this moment raining outside. Schools have been canceled in Conval, and it's supposed to turn to ice. It's going to be a bad scene. Another wintry disappointment. Um, <laughs> and it's also- fitting because... No, go ahead. Uh, ice forecasts have been decreasing, which is a good thing. I mean, I was a little oh, bummed. You know, I wasn't. I don't. I don't uh, love the snow as much as some people do. I don't hate it as much as some people do. <laughs> but I was. I was kind of looking forward to that big storm that was forecast for last week. I, you know, I was really wanting that like two, two, three foot. You know, uh, snowfall. But the ice, the ice total going down. That's a good thing. No ice. Ice sucks. Ice sucks. Um, it's about the same thing. Yeah. Yep. Ice. Ice objectively sucks. Um, yep. I think even the winter lovers agree um, that the ice storm um, kind of blows. I don't so, know. I'm. I'm going to ask them. I'm going to keep poking that. Find out. Do the winter lovers love ice? Yeah. So they can sure. get yeah. Right. Up. 
Yeah, we should. Yeah, so we did. We did do a little pot stirring this week. Uh, our our voices columns were were heavily themed around winter. Um, I mean, Dan's monthly column came in, and it was definitely winter related. And talked about the the season that we're in and how difficult. It's funny because Dan and I hope you listen to this, Dan, because I didn't think about this before. Otherwise, I would have said it on Facebook. But like, so. So so Dan Dan Sesney had his transcendental dad piece that's that's a monthly column um, that I need to send him money for actually we we pay him for that um, good reminder I'll remember Dan the money's on the way PayPal it's coming um, hopefully it gets there by next week when you can hear this but so Dan Dan's piece was Monday and it was it was kind of a somber wintry piece talking about Tiknat Han dying and you know kind of having difficulty like his piece is usually about being in the moment and this was about having a lot of difficulty being in the moment you know and and part of that being seasonal and 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 etc and then i i um posted something that was uh you know uh, zoe actually described it as a little bit adorable and charming and sweet um which is not my usual tone on this podcast anyways but it is uh, sometimes i <laughs> Sometimes I think those adorable, sweet thoughts, um, and I put them down. And it was just about winter, but it was a very sort of like open and vulnerable. Like, yes, I I I yell and scream and make jokes about hating it, and I and I do, and that's not fake. But it isn't absolute, and I can appreciate good parts about it. But it's just really difficult for me, and there's a lot of factors working against me while I do it. But you know, I'm trying and, and I, you know, it's, it's just like a real struggle for me. And then the, the day after that, which is today, we published a piece from Kayla Law um, that was just the opposite of that, which is basically like, man, if you have time with the winter, if you have a hard time with the winter, there's something wrong with you. You haven't figured out the secret yet. You need to push on through. Like you, you are, are just missing the whole thing. If you don't, and you have to get outside and spend a lot of time outside and like, suffer for it whatever um but my my point in saying this though is that in when i shared her piece it, intentionally with some smart ass remarks to generate some argument right dan was taking her side on the facebook wall and was just like yeah kayla he doesn't understand but if you go back and read these three pieces dan's piece is a lot more like mine <laughs> And it is like hers. Like, like Dan is like, he's espousing one thing, but he's living another. It's like that wonderful, wonderful moment in Oliver Stone's Nixon, right? When Nixon is like facing his downfall and like everything's like crumbling all around him. And he just walks up to the picture of John F. Kennedy. And he says, who's obviously dead, you know, and he says, they look at you and they see what they want to be. They look at me and they see what they are. And that's the difference here. Is that so, so what, like yeah. you're Nixon and he's JFK? Yeah, yeah I'm Nixon and Kayla's JFK. Oh, and, okay. And, okay. Oh, Dan like, is not in this analogy? No, Dan wants Dan's to be. Dan, Dan's the Dan's people. Not, Got it. Dan's, <laughs> Dan, Dan wants to be. He it. wants to espouse this joy like Kayla does, but he doesn't. He, does, he doesn't feel that way, you know? And and most people don't. I'm not going to go any further than that. Uh, but yeah, it was really interesting. So it was fun, little fun, fun little wintry skirmishes um, <laughs> that we're having over here to pass the time as we get through. 
Um, the Olympics have begun. I've, uh, opening ceremonies are technically tomorrow morning at 6.30 a.m. because, like, you know, China now rules the world instead of the eastern time zone of the United States. Fuck that. Um, sorry, but I am selfish, and I miss I, – I, like, I, I liked it when we, when we got all 100% of the time zones. It's a bummer to lose that. Um, no wonder people try to fight to keep privilege. Um, it's great. Um, but the Chinese have won, and um, they will do it in prime time in their own country. Imagine that, and um, which is the morning for us at six thirty. So we'll watch that. But events have already started. I've been watching a bunch of curling. Um, the USA team so far is not doing really good, um, but the Italian mixed doubles team, um, man, they've got this like um, incredibly. Uh, I don't want to get myself in trouble here. She's an incredibly skilled curling hottie named um, Stefania um, Constantini, who I am now a big fan of. And I just watched them um, kick this because they, they beat the Americans um, yesterday. And I was watching the replay of them beating the um, the Swiss is like, fuck the Swiss, man. Um, and so it was great. Um, they beat them and um, they had to go into like an extra an extra end because it was tied, you know, but they, they got him in the end. Um, I love this. I love the, put on the Olympics. If you're listening to this a week from now, there's still at least like a week, week and a half to go. Um, it will make the winter better. Going outside won't help, but watching the Olympics might help. Might help. Um, so like I said, though, we have to kind of move along because we've got a number of topics to cover and we don't want to go our full length. I do want to give a small update from our top story last week, which is to say, I remember mentioning um, towards the end of our very lengthy discussion on the ninth grade gangs of Conval um, that my suspicion is is probably that the um, the school it, it really probably is doing what they can and, and the right things and uh, is not letting kids get away with guns in schools and violence and things like that. And um, that as all appearances indicate at this point that that is true. Um, Superintendent Saunders issued a lengthy statement that went out to middle and high school parents this week. I'm um, not going to read that statement, but I have read it. And, um, you know, and I've been actually very critical of Superintendent Saunders on other issues. So uh, I don't want anybody to think I'm some kind of fluffer here or anything like that. I thought the statement was just fine, though. I wouldn't ask for anything else in it. It was 100% satisfactory, everything that I would want out of a school administrator. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that it's all true, but I have no reason to suspect that it's not. Um, so... Hopefully we hopefully this is the last we hear about the 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 deep convel violence. We probably didn't just solve violence in this short period of time, probably not. But let's just hope they keep them separated. And we'll go from there. All right, but thank you Superintendent Saunders for your leadership on this issue. I know that I for one am sleeping better at night. Although it's probably because of the new mattress um, that I just got. <laughs> what else is going on in the region? Um, well, there there was apparently a wild select board meeting where some some stuff oh, went down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't I don't know if I have like all the whole inside scoop, except to say that 
there's something, there's more about these reassessments that we talked about in one of our early episodes. The people are still not happy. <laughs> They're not accepting their new property values. And so well, they stormed the select board meeting with like bayonets or something? Is that? Yes. Um, I, yes. They were makeshift bayonets, I believe. Um, they, they were whittled sticks um, from the from the shed. Um, I can do a lot of damage with a whittled stick, though. You absolutely sure. can. And they, I think they had tiki torches, too. Um, they always do. These. Tiki <laughs> torches. Was, was there fire? Yes. Yeah, I th- yes. I think I think they were tiki torches, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but, yeah. So, yeah. So, a couple of <clears throat> concerned citizens believes that the assessment was biased. I, I, I believe it was not reported in the Ledger article, but I, I've been told that there were talks among this group again of um, suggesting that the assessments were part of a scheme for the town to raise more revenue um, to make up for all that money, the millions of dollars that Karen Hatcher stole. Um, (laughs) That still, the last time we talked about that, we mentioned that that's not possible. Um, That's still true. It's still not possible for the town to do that. If it were possible for the town to do that, the town, I mean, God, they could have a select board meeting and they could vote to raise any sum of money for any purpose and come and collect it from you. Like, this is like, I don't know, like Judea in the New Testament times when everyone hated the tax collectors because they were coming to your door to, like, take your money and like take a cut for themselves. Like that's literally what would be possible if what you think is true were real. It's I not. think about like Robin Hood and that like poor little bunny family, you know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. God, guys. Things are deteriorating. They are deteriorating, but they're not going back that far that fast. You know? Um, maybe in a few years the town will have the power to just assess and take revenues um but not today not as long as the state of new hampshire still kind of runs the show in the live free or die state um sent in a centralized manner um the town can't do that and the town has no ability to like aggress like use assessment as a weapon or a tool it it just doesn't work that way and if you don't believe chris there is going to be a public meeting where there's going to be some like experts to explain it to anyone who's still confused. So I think that's like the best thing to do. I, you know, the best thing to do is to like take good advice and just listen to us here on this program. That's the best thing to do. Look, we're 15 minutes into this episode. You spent 15 minutes learning a crucial truth that will stay with you for the rest of your goddamn life, right? (laughs) Or you could have to go out on a cold, wintry night in a few weeks and spend God knows how many hours with a bunch of unwashed, probably like half unmasked, just foaming at the mouth people and suffer through all that for like an hour and a half or two hours, you know? 
watching like the select board like melt into their chairs, you know, as they watch the scene unfold, you know. To clarify, um, I mean it was probably the best thing for the town to do was to like oh, hold yeah, an yeah, educational yeah. session. <laughs> Not for our listeners to attend. Just listen to this. Listen to us on this program. We're not going to steer you wrong. I swear to God. We haven't yet. We haven't yet. (laughs) Jeez. All right. Good. Well, um, yeah. So, unfortunate that that is... Is part of the fray again. I mean, I thought I thought we had moved on. I thought we I, moved. I on. really. We, we are we are homeowners for the record, people. You know, so we are part of the the fray and part of the mix here of the assessment and everything else. I mean, renters obviously are too, but that's a common assumption levied. Well, they they would feel differently if they owned a home, you know. But um, it's not true for anybody. But it's definitely not true for us because we do own homes, and um, it it's. It, no, our the values went up. The the values went up. It's yeah. market forces. Um, capitalism. I don't know. You know, I, I used to spend a lot of time. Never mind. <laughs> Just accept the markets, guys. Accept the markets. They're not going anywhere. The working class isn't going to have a revolution and and take charge and make all the assessments fair. Like it's just. It's off the table. You got to take your lumps. Like, eat it, guys. Eat it. Oh, my God. The whining. But uh, I think I think one thing we can say, though, is that those those uh, the the riffraff that will be there as as I'm <laughs> as I'm assuming. Did I use that phrase? I don't you didn't use. Well, I mean, you. I called them unwashed. Unwashed. <laughs> you did say unwashed. wearing masks, but I didn't say riffraff. But okay. but okay, fair, but fair, fair enough. But I was going to correct your your image of these kind townsfolk, though, because I don't think that they will be half unmasked because they're not allowed to be. <laughs> because. <laughs> Other in other town business, we have now that like the prison state of Australia has given up on trying to really bother with anti-COVID measures because there's no point anymore. The town of Peterborough has decided to extend our our government building mask mandate by another month. We're gonna save all those people this way. It's, you know, when you walk into a Peterborough government building, that's when the virus really jumps out at you. (laughs) (laughs) So it has has a special affinity for like old brick buildings and (laughs) government offices in general, you know, the government carpet, you know, like it's the COVID just (laughs) seeps out of that, you know. That doesn't really uh, yeah. explain why the the brand new library it also it's also affected, but that's I think that's just one of those like wow well, if we gave made an exception for the library we'd have to make an exception for everybody we can't do that but um, look I'll just say though guys um, it it's it's over though like it's it's over. It's the, the measures are over. Like the countries of the world are, are all giving up all at once. Peterborough can do it too. We can all relax. Like we're not saving anybody else. Whoever's been saved has been saved. God bless. 
you know, um, the as as Australia, the prison state has said, we got to live with it. We just got to live with it. We got to deal with it again, just like with the property tax assessments. Like we just we got to got to eat it. We just got to eat it. You know, that's just the way. This is a case where giving up is not a failure. It's like it's it's the thing to do now. It's a victory. Yeah. But like guys, you know, I mean, the it's okay. It's really like everybody who did the best that they could do. Give yourself a pat on the back. Just go ahead right now. Let's all do it together. Give yourself a pat, a good old pat on the back from me, from yourself, from the community. Okay. It's all good. All right. But nobody's helping anymore. The the helper, like the helpers are gone. Okay. Like Fred Rogers and everything. Like don't look for them anymore because you won't find them. We're not really all in this together. Um, It's what it is. Like, it's just, we, we gotta, we gotta live with it. We gotta move on. Life goes on. Right. I mean, I don't know. Oh, bloody, I'll wear them oh, I'm, not, I'm not, yes, exactly. <laughs> to I'm not quote a do... teen poet laureate. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I will comply. Like I'm going to, I'm going to have a zoning board meeting on Monday and I'm going to wear, I'm going to have one of my awesome N95 strapped around the back and like clipped down on my nose. It's going to be so great. Um, but it's not going to be great. I'm going to be pissed the whole time. And it's not necessary because it's over. Massachusetts is saying it's over. Like, I mean, come on. Like, it's, it's, it's done. It's done. It's all, it's all there is to be said about the continued mask mandate. Pretty much. Hopefully March 2022. The two year anniversary <laughs> when we Yes, when we, when we, when we do, do the anniversary special. <laughs> we can do it maskless. <laughs> we'll do it maskless from the stage at the townhouse. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds that with that actually if we were really gonna do one, I would enjoy doing that. What do you mean if? Don't disappoint our viewers like that. <laughs> They've all been sitting here. They've been, you don't have any idea how much fan mail we get. From people being like, oh my god, I can't wait for the COVID two-year anniversary clip show special. I hope to be able to contribute some of my own COVID footage um, to the inevitable montage that you do. Um, I want to, yeah, I mean, it goes it goes on. It goes on. Um, so, let's and not... If, and if they miss our deadline, the ledger will probably have a special insert in, like, yeah. September. <laughs> Yeah, don't, don't mark the two-year anniversary then. Yes. And with with the headline, it's finally here. <laughs> oh. Speaking of the ledger, they snubbed us in favor of Monadnock Writers Group. Typical. They did. They did. Let's, Can you let's, want me to show that paper on the screen here? Paper. So we've got three minute fiction slam front page of the arts section. And then our like amazing series of writing workshops is just crammed 
right here into this we, corner. We have a professional writing instructor. Um, you know, like a multi-decade professional writer coming to run these in-depth workshops. It's a tr it's it's a three genre series, you know, um, and I, no offense to the three minute fiction slam, but it's three minutes long. We have three hour long workshops. <laughs> you know, for those of you who don't know, like the, the media biz, like part of editorial is like placement of things and like where, like I was watching, for example, um, the relatively recent American experience, uh, PBS documentary on William Randolph Hearst. And, um, you know, he was kind of the first, um, like sensational media guy. And like, you know, he, he wasn't, he obviously wasn't even the editor. He was the, he was the publisher and he would walk through the newsroom itself, like before printing and look at the final layouts and be like, no, 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 like move that there. Bigger headline, bigger text there, bigger, bigger, bigger. Like, and like he would actually like make those comments about like how things go and all that stuff. It's, it's never an accident where things show up. And again, no offense intended to the three minute fiction slam. I hope that any of you listening to this who like that sort of thing attend. But it's, uh, let's get out the scales here. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, I don't know. Um, but all that being said, this is a wonderful opportunity to plug these workshops. We have, um, we begin with our first date, which is, I believe, February 23rd. Is that correct? I don't know if you should trust me. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So it's just really a lot. Um, but, yeah, so that's a Wednesday. Wednesday, it's, yeah, let's check the ledger transcript for our workshops. Yeah. February 23rd. February 23rd. <laughs> this is a three-hour afternoon workshop from, um, what is it, like one to four? One to four, um, yeah. And this, this is um this is a session on the art of memoir writing, um, which I think that um, many people in this region have a lot of stories to tell. Many of people in this region have a lot of years in which to have gathered stories, and this is a great opportunity um, for people with a large quantity of either of those things, or both, to um, to really kind of learn how to get that down on paper. And I and I'm making ages jokes again. I know, but for real. <laughs> I, I mean, I wrote a spiritual memoir myself a year or so ago. It really doesn't have to be an age thing. And I encourage anybody, regardless of the quality of your stories, to write about your own life. It's kind of important. Um, I think it's healthy for you and good for you, um, you your own sense of story. I think it's um, a very valuable thing for any relatives or descendants that you may have who may learn something about you either now or after you're gone. And this will sound like a joke that it's good for history um, because you might think like, oh, I'm an ordinary person and all that stuff. But like, that's not necessarily true because when, when historians a hundred years from now or so, like look back on this era, like, yes, you could argue that like, oh my God, everything is documented and all this stuff. Like you can just look at people's social media or like, look at the surveillance cameras that are everywhere to like get a picture of ordinary life. I don't know that either social media or w without looking at like hundreds of hours of footage, surveillance photos, surveillance video it, it really can convey what it's like inside your head in like a day to day experience in the early 21st century. 
Right. Um, well, legitimately, I think the more people and 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 we find this right with past eras and past history where there's a lot of documented stuff and there's news reports and there's professional histories and all this stuff, but there's that rare random like diarist that kept a, a personal log. They were a nobody. They were just an, a regular, ordinary person. And historians have, have found that years later. And it's actually kind of a treasure because it's so different and so much more rich with detail about the way that people have experienced things um, than your typical like official sources or e- easy things to research yeah. and things like that. Yeah. So, and and Brian Evans Jones, our our instructor for these courses, I mean, he his plan is to like, you know, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I sit down to try to think of something from my past to write about, I'm like, oh my god, I don't remember anything. Like, what's yeah. wrong? You know, what's wrong with me? I have no memory. He's going <laughs> to focus on that. This is about how to like mine your memory and and kind of activate some of that stuff. And he's also. Um, gonna teach you how to like structure a memoir in new ways. So it's not just doesn't have to just be like a diary or like a I'm just gonna flap this story down on on paper. So I think it's gonna yeah. I think some really interesting stuff is gonna come out of this, and I'm excited to read. I hope we get to read some of the stuff. I think it's gonna be super cool, super cool. And um, we follow that up with two two part sessions on, on, um, Tuesday nights, um, for the whole, really it's all the Tuesdays in March, I think, isn't it? Um, yeah. The first and the eighth are fiction. Um, and so, um, again, very similar deal, you know, uh, Brian's going to kind of, uh, take things through and help you kind of understand how to put together your fiction ideas and, and turn them into reality. And the, the focus for the fiction is about characters. Um, mm-hmm. we, we might, you know, if this goes well, we'll keep working with Brian. He's got other, you know, he, he can focus on plot or whatever, but we're focusing on character for this workshop. Um, so that is going to be really cool. Yeah. Those are, those are really 6.30 awesome. to 8 p.m. on those first two Tuesdays. And then after that, on the, the third and fourth Tuesday of March, the actual dates of which are the 15th, 15th, 16th, 15th and the, what's the next 23rd, 22nd, uh, 22nd. Yeah. 15th and 22nd. Uh, that's poetry. Yep. And also from six 30 to eight. And what, what's the poetry focus? Oh, this one sounds so cool. This one's imagined places. Um, so he talks about, you know, like, could be pla- could be travel places, could be made up places, I guess. But just in the COVID era, kind of like where we were all trapped, what can come out of that? So maybe not, yeah. maybe not like explicitly COVID poetry, but I think it like speaks to our time when so many of us have been constrained in terms of place. So again, I, oh, yeah. I can't wait to see what writing comes out of all these. I am and I hope we get to read it again. <laughs> we've, got, we've got signups coming in. And actually, that's kind of an important fact because it'll be a week from now by the time people listen to this. If you're listening to this and these sound cool to you, there, there is registration. Um, they, they do uh, have a cost. Um, they are the first one because it's only one session is 60 bucks. We got to pay for the room. So we're just trying to recoup those expenses. So um, 60 bucks for that first one. And then the other two are uh, 65 a piece. 
Um, and that's 65 for the two sessions, not 65 for each night that you go. So, um, so it's a steal to do, to work a, with a professional a writer and get this kind of instruction and really uh, enable you to gain something for your craft that you can take with you. But, you know, whether you consider it a craft or a hobby or an outlet or whatever, this is going to like getting better at it is going to bring you more happiness from it. And, and, and it's going to, yeah, it's, it don't miss this, but if you're listening to this and you want to do it, jump on it, click the links in the, in the um, show notes, because I think we're capped at 10, around 10 people for these. And we've had signups already. So that's a relatively small number. So get in while the getting's good, as the humble Yankees might say, I don't really know where that expression comes from, but um, so do that. And last thing, uh, while we're while we're promoting ourselves and our in-person things, this episode is likely to come out on Thursday morning, which is the 10th of February, which is the second Thursday of the month, which means Monadnock Underground open mic night over at, again, the Peter Bro Town Library. So that is a little bit on the earlier side. That runs from 5.30 to 7.00. And um, we we do have copy. We'll have some copy there. May I just insert here for for contractual reasons that the open mic is a library sponsored event. The yes. writing workshops are not. <laughs> yes, that's library. We're going. I bet you. I hope we get an award at the end of the year for being like the <laughs> only group that actually like read the terms and conditions and was like, yes, we need to state that this is not. A library official event and we are adhering to it um yes so well, uh, very library i want to follow their terms i want to follow their terms yes their, their terms are very reasonable their people are good um so um in fact i'm gonna i'm gonna i like that little phrase that i just said i'm gonna use that for other people as well their terms are very reasonable their people are good it's a good <laughs> way to describe a group you know like I, that's a that's a that's how i would uh, that's a, if i say that about you or your organization i'm speaking very highly of you from my heart um so come to the library we got i mean they they, <laughs> they have been a wonderful partner to us from day one and the um the open mics are always a blast we fill regardless of how many people come we fill the time and we have just heard all kinds of different writing. Um, there's, there's no, like you come to this thing and you, you truly just don't know what you're going to hear. And that is kind of the thrill of an open mic. Like it's not, you might have this image of your, in your head of like kind of everyone coming and reading the same types of things, but it has worked out so nicely each time so far that the, the divergence between every single writer who's doing a reading is uh is phenomenal the variety is fantastic and if you are a writer again and you've never read anything in public uh talk about something that will you know give you a little bit of a boost in terms of just confidence and it gives you a whole different perspective on your own writing when you hear it read by yourself in front of other people live like you see things that you might not see in your own self-editing process it happens to me all the time even uh, if you're even if your self-editing process includes reading aloud which it should yeah. that's a really useful thing yeah. i've heard feedback from other other writers for, at this open mic that reading it in front of an audience 
is an is like an even more valuable or different. Maybe maybe we don't have yeah. to quantify it, but like a different yeah. level of experience and and usefulness. So. Absolutely. Very friendly, friendly listeners. You know, most of yeah. them are also writers. It's a, it's a good vibe. Yeah, you get to have my best attempts at being like a an, an MC. You know, like a it's my my Academy Awards host impression. You know, it's a it's it's a great time. It's a great. And time. we keep promising coffee and tea. I realize, so I'll I'll we make sure there's tea as well. We we did have tea once. Yeah. Um, so far, nobody's called us on the lie the last few months. So I think we're in the clear, but it would be wonderful if you did. Um, I think that would be much appreciated. I'm going to make that promise right here on the, the coffee, air. So come come just to see if I lied. Yeah. <laughs> and the other funny thing, too, is that, like, no matter how many people show up, the coffee, like, I bring one of those giant, like, carafe things that, you you know, with a spigot and stuff, it gets drunk, like, no matter who no matter how many people show up that thing's empty when i leave so um come get caffeinated and uh we'll we'll read some we'll read some writing it'll be awesome cool um well we've got a couple more um just little tidbits to uh before we close out and and go over to our guests at prep i believe a couple maybe heartwarming tales oh yeah sam sam brought us and you've got a tale for us today <laughs> Story of the week, I'm going to call it. For me, it's the story of the week. Statewide news coverage. Statewide news coverage. Actually, yeah, WMUR 9 today. uh, Today at 4.56 p.m. This was updated. Uh, Over 50 snowmen built for assisted living residents. And I'll have you know, uh, insider tip, it's actually 51. 51 snowmen. Now, looking at the snowmen here in WMUR 9, we've decided that they don't have quite the integrity that you would expect from a traditional <laughs> snowman in terms of three round balls, you know, in a you know, descending size. These are more, um, as Chris, as Chris put it, a snow bank that my kids kind of shoveled out the space in between each one. So they were all connected from the shoulders down. Uh, but there's also <laughs> little, lumps, I believe infantile was the lumps. Yeah. Lumps. That's right. Yeah. So we have, no, we have no little lumps, baby lump size ones. There's one that appears to just be a head, really. Um, but it's all here. It's here for everybody to see. And, and interestingly, uh, I brought this to Chris's attention, and he happens to own the house right next door to Summerhill, <laughs> and he hadn't noticed it yet. So, No, I never saw this. I was home pretty much all day today, and I never saw a WMUR truck. I have not noticed these snowmen that I could apparently like throw a rock and hit. Um, I, I, I've been out of the loop and I, I apologize to all of the elderly that live near me for not being a good enough neighbor to, to I mean, really... I don't think they built them. <laughs> Chris does though. He keeps saying that. <laughs> so who, who did this then? Was Somebody. It Probably. Yeah. The so neighborhood kids. Okay, like, all right. I hope it was kids. I just, I hope it was kids. I have most of the neighboring kids to this nursing home, and they weren't there. Um, (laughs) And the other kids were in school today. So I don't know who did this. Um, It's a little weird if these were made by a non-senior adult, and they're just lumps. I don't mean to do that. like dementia patients, I would give them a pass. But um, (laughs) I... 
No, the it's way really that nice. I read the Heart article, woman. though, is yeah, that they woman. were built nice. to entertain the elderly residents. I think you're right. Yeah. No man doing. Yeah, they look out the window and say, "There they are." Hey, you know? look at that. Maybe, maybe it was a non-senior adult, and he just kind of cranked it out and got it done. You know. They're like, hey, yeah. could, you build, could you build 50 plus snowman? He's like, yeah, fuck, I'll build 51 for you. You know, he gets it done in an hour, puts a bunch of shit on their faces and says, there you go. But like, why, why, why 50? Why not like one magnificent, you know, 50 foot snowman? You know, like what? Yeah. What if? Some people are quantity I over quality. I mean, I'm with you. I think one, <laughs> one magnificent one would have been a hell of a lot better, but volume I'm people out there. I'm I'm totally speculating here, but like, what if it was? What if the whole thing was commissioned by a group of residents, the Summerhill Psychedelic Society, and <laughs> what they want to do is like take some mushrooms and like look out the window at the snowman, which they're probably doing right now as we record this episode. That would explain a lot. I mean, that all the pieces fit in with this explanation. I know. Yeah. There's probably no psychedelic society over there, but it would certainly explain what's going on better than WMUR did. Yeah, no, it's true. They appear yeah. to be melting, uh, which kind of goes in with your, you know, psilocybin. Yeah, but, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you guys, they would be, because, yeah, yeah, seriously, they it. would be, they would be um, getting a whole lesson on the ephemeral character of life and what it means to be towards the end and all this, all this stuff. Yeah. Um, there you go. Yeah. I mean, apparently <laughs> to, 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 to make some really strange connections back to a couple of very different past episodes on this program. Um, uh, there was a, um, a link to a podcast that was shared by Kay Kinderman this week. Now, Kay is um, someone who was uh, written for Monadnock Underground and is the founder of the Peterborough Death Cafes. And the podcast was Amanda Knox's podcast with her husband, where they just did an entire series on psychedelic mushrooms, and some of which really focus on um, the, the, like the death doula um, psychedelic uh, mushroom component. So using it as a prepper, as a medicinal preparation for, um, for death, um, in, in both the elderly and, uh, terminal patients and things like that. So it's, uh, so it it's all, all great. It's Is Amanda the one from your childhood, Chris, that you like really were into? Hell got, yeah. Got kidnapped or yeah. something, whatever, and held my, my young, my young adulthood. Yes. My, yeah. I was, I, I was grown. I was grown. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was saying yeah. your childhood crush. That might not be an apt way to describe. Yeah, that's her, that's a little. Yeah, yeah not not quite. Not, not, yeah, that's how it registered yeah. for me. But she's like my age, and so, she was an adult when this happened. And that was so all we're all connected adults. then. All Even that, that with the deaf cafes, both those yeah. were separate, but now they're one <laughs> because of the now snowmen. Because now of the snowmen. Yeah. Because of the snowmen on the hill. Undeniable. Yeah. It's a perfect. Perfect fit. Undeniable truths. Undeniable Could have just been a lazy teenager that they, you know, paid him for an hour and he just got out. When there. I was a lazy teenager, people were always like, "Hey, dude, come make my snowmen." 
Yeah. Be like, yeah, I'll fucking make your snowman. You know, 20 bucks. Done. I've got nothing to do, man. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and you know what? To take it a step further, and this is risky, what? but I'm going to go for it. Maybe it was one of our Conval gangsters and he's out on suspension. So he had the yeah. day to fucking do it anyway. And he's this, was, this is his community service? Is like he could have been community service. But I like to think it wasn't like mandated community service. It was, you know, he really had a wake-up call and was like, man, I'm living my life the wrong way. I'm going to go to Summer Hill and build some snowmen for those old folks. That is how I want to live my life from here on out. I hope that that is true. I hope that's really what happened. Yes. Any of these yeah. things would have been better than what WMR did. But that's right. What, what's, what is going on there? Yeah, at, least they, at least they brought it to our attention. You know? yep. Yeah, so we can figure these stories out yeah. for ourselves. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, on that heartwarming note, or the, the best in all of us is possible, right? We're going to draw this segment of the program to a close. We've exceeded our time by a little bit. Not really that much. This will still be about an hour-long episode, pretty standard. Um, we're going to do about 20 minutes with the prep team tomorrow. We're going to um, give them some questions, you know, let them kind of explain what their approach is and, and their origins and all that, and then, you know, kind of talk about different approaches to this problem and, and whether – you know, it's 2022 already. That's eight years. Um, I think we all have questions about um, whether that's a, a, a truly realistic um, prospect. We're going to find that out tomorrow. So I hope you stick around, listen to this interview, enjoy it. I'm really excited to have more guests on, and I really appreciate the good folks at Prep. Um, Bill Kennedy in particular uh, reached out to us to set this up. And, I, and uh, so thank you, Bill. And thank you to the prep team because um, I'm really grateful to have you on. I think that's very exciting. And um, we, we want to do more stuff just like that. Um, but at the end of that uh, segment, we uh, the show is going to wrap from there. So we will say our goodbyes here. That's it for us in the Space Lounge this week. We hope that you will join us next week. We hope we will have even more heartwarming tales to share. We hope that we have all survived the ice storm that is to come in the next couple of days. So please, hunker down, stay safe, have a good time, make some snowmen for old folks. If you're feeling a little itchy, a little violent, do that instead. More than anything else, be sure to take good advice. See you next time. Welcome. We are happy to be joined today by Bill Kennedy, Dory Drachman, and Bob Herring-Smith from the Peterborough Renewable Energy Planning Team. So welcome. Thanks for being here with us today. Welcome, guys. Thank, Thank you. you for, Thanks for inviting us. us. Absolutely. So if you guys want to start off just by telling the audience, you know, really just the basics, anything, anything you feel that folks should know about PrEP and where it came from and and where we're going. Sure, I can start us out. Uh, PrEP 
resulted directly from a warrant article that was on last year's ballot uh, to ask if Peterborough was willing to commit to a goal of transitioning to 100% renewable energy, uh, specifically 100% renewable electricity by 2030 and 100% renewable heat and transportation by 2050. And then shortly after that passed, and it did so with an overwhelming margin, 74% of the vote, um, we went to a select board meeting and the select board at that point um, asked for the formation of two different committees. One is uh, the community power task force, and then one is what turned out to be PREP. And while originally it was going to be an official town committee, uh, we have morphed it into an unofficial committee because there's a lot of people on it. There's about 18 of us. And the, the logistics of keeping up with all of the right to know notices and all of that would have been pretty difficult with, with that kind of membership. So... So that's, yeah, that's how big. PrEP got yeah. its start. Yeah. Um, I have a quick question just about the warrant article for clarification. This is, is meant to cover all of Peter, like all residents, everyone in Peterborough and not just Peterborough town properties and energy usage, correct? That is correct. It is for everybody, all residents, all businesses, and the, the municipal buildings as well. Um it was, the, the Warren article stemmed from a campaign that the Sierra Club has been sponsoring uh, for years called Ready for 100. And at this point, it is an incredibly successful campaign because over a quarter of Americans live in a place that has made these commitments. So we are part of a, a movement really in the U.S. Uh, the only towns that have made this commitment, however, are in New Hampshire. And so it's mainly been cities and states, but New Hampshire has, uh, I believe, three, three or four, three, I think, uh, towns that are uh, committed to the 100% renewable goals. Altogether, there are six municipalities in in New Hampshire that have made those goals. Wow. I should I should note that once this warrant was passed, the first question that popped into everybody's mind is that, do we have a plan? <laughs> How are we going to get there? <laughs> and, and actually, therefore- in the warrant, in the warrant, it actually uh, specifies that right. we would create a plan by right. the end of 2022. Oh, great. And that's what we're doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, and actually, before we go any further about PrEP, I'm just a little bit curious, and this, this might be a better question for Bill since you guys aren't in it, but what is the other, what's the other committee, the, the community power group? Well, this is, <laughs> this is part of the whole process. Um, the community power group um, is, is looking into... Um, um, aggregating residential uh, electricity usage okay. so that um, we can take advantage of, you know, 
um, aggregation, um, it, which is now allowed by law. It wasn't allowed last year or the year before. Um, so it's now allowed. And what that allows us to do is then ag by aggregating uh, uses, um, we can get a better price on electricity. Uh, but then we can also increase the mix of renewable sources. And the plan is to offer several different tiers and migrate towards that 100% by 2030. Great. So it's a sub in, in a way, it's a subset of the prep um, activity. Yeah, makes yeah. sense. Well, that that is the only part that I've heard of. So I would love to hear more about what what prep is up to because I had those mixed up in my mind. Sure, a lot of people do uh, it, and you can think of community power as one of our strategies to to reach this goal. Tim. Great. You want to add to that, Bob? No, but I, w I would go back to, uh, to Zoe's comment or question about whether this is the town government or everyone. And uh, in fact, the, the town government has been a leader in this area for quite a while. Mm -hmm. uh, Rodney Bartlett was, was very interested in increasing the use of renewables. That's why we have the giant solar array at the wastewater treatment plant. We've been doing some, some data mining on the town and uh, we, we estimate that the town buildings get at least 60% of their electricity from renewable sources. Uh, uh, whereas probably residences are more on the order of the, the, the 20 to 25% that's mandated by New Hampshire law. And yeah, at the same time, uh, <clears throat> according to the town's database, only or a full 88% of Peterborough residences are heated primarily by fossil fuel. And 96% of Peterborough registered vehicles use only fossil fuel for propulsion. Oh, still at 96% on yes. the vehicle. Yeah. Yeah, it's surprising. I would have thought, you know, it seems like Priuses are all over the place around that, here. That, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. In fact, it's, they just do a lot of driving, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, right. Yeah, they're just out and about more. <laughs> I did want to mention uh, that the current administration under, under Nicole McStay um, are carrying on that tradition of, of strong support for renewables. So um, I feel we we're on the right path. Yeah, and, that is that's important to note. Yeah. And I would just piggyback onto that. That is actually a big piece of why we we went with the warrant article is that we felt like this was a community, both the residents and the administration and the, the select board were all on the same page with that and felt like we could uh, really be successful with that and, and move on to coming up with some very specific ideas about how to move us there. Right. Now, so tell us a little on. bit about the strategy and um, and how 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 do we get to 2030? <laughs> well, let's see, I am I am working with the with the uh, working group that is charged with actually coming up with the plan, and we now have uh, a a draft electricity outline. And in that outline, we have uh, broken it down into three sectors, residential, commercial, and municipal. 
and have different uh, recommendations for all three of those. And then some that will be, um, that will transcend all of them. So one idea in addition to community power. So community power is a very large piece of the residential puzzle because we expect that a lot of the, um, the population will automatically be enrolled into that. And so we're, we're really excited to have that piece moving forward in tandem. But in addition, we want to do a number of other things. And the focus on all of these recommendations is actually on what the town can do to incentivize the residents and the businesses. It's not saying to any person or business, you must do this. So one idea is to ask for an energy audit or an energy usage history to be present at any kind of um, closing for on a house uh, or getting any building projects approved to, to be able to show the, the buyer what to expect for their energy usage. The idea being that if the prospective buyer knows that, oh, wow, this is going to be a really leaky house with a very large energy bill, we might not want to buy this house. And it would be, it would prove to be an incentive for the sellers to do some more work on the house. So that's one example uh, for the, the residential sector. Uh, an example for the commercial sector is to develop a list of our top 10 solar businesses um, that, that we think could be really, uh, could really effectively use solar power on their business and then do a, a pretty detailed feasibility study for them and kind of silver platter it, like say here, this is what we think you should do and we can help you do this. So those are, those are a couple of the kinds of ideas that we are thinking about. Um, I, and I can continue or I can pass the baton. <laughs> well, we'd also like to be able to uh, find ways to help businesses and individuals who want to take any sort of action. Uh, we know that there are existing tax credits. There are rebates that are available. Uh, we'd like to ferret out any others that, that might be less well known and make sure that everybody knows about them so they can take advantage of them. Uh, we're hoping to be able to put together uh, some sort of fund out of which we could support groups, individuals who want to weatherize their house or undertake an energy, uh, uh, renewable energy project. Uh -huh. But uh, a lot of this is very much in the planning stages and we're still trying to learn more ourselves. One of the newest working groups that has just started this past week is on financing because mm -hmm. that's become very clear that in order for in order for this plan to really work, there needs to be a way to help individuals with financing and also to have um, 
have someone that is able to help folks, both individuals and businesses to do to, and to navigate the process to either getting uh, an energy audit and doing some energy efficiency work or to uh, find a solar installer and figure out the best uh, process for their their home. Um, the, having you know someone to physically help them with that is going to be much more effective than just putting out the information. And so we are actively looking at grants and other other ways to fund a position to to help folks do this. So that's that's something that we're excited to be exploring. We One know other. from other towns that we've looked at who have undertaken this kind of work. Uh, Hartford, Vermont, for example, has uh, created an energy coordinator position that wound up paying for itself. So the amount of money that the town saved on energy was greater than the salary paid to the energy coordinator who who figured out the various ways in which they could save money on energy. Well, yeah, that's um, fascinating. Yeah. The one thing that we will all admit is that we do not all have the answers. Sure. And so we have a very active um, community input group and been carrying on what's known as prep talks mostly hosted out of uh, the library, um, but, they're, but they're a hybrid. Um, you can, you can uh, um, participate on Zoom. So that's one of the avenues. So we've been asking people what their, what their preferences are in terms of energy mix, um, what they think is important, and, and that sort of thing. We're, we're, we're seeking answers at this point uh, to help us develop that plan. So, And the, the prep talks are kind of at a, a place where they're kind of pivoting as we have some of the plan drafted to actually get feedback on the particular parts of the plan. Right. Once we do have more prep talks scheduled, you'll find the, the links to sign up for them, to register for them at our website, prepnh.org. And also there is right now is a link to a survey where you can provide input about um, about how we should be organizing this plan. Excellent. Yeah, we'll make sure that those links are in uh, are in the show notes. Oh, great. great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. So did you want to ask something? Yeah. So what the what Bob just mentioned earlier about some of the rebates that are available and whether, you know, Weather stripping, not weather stripping. Weatherizing. Weatherizing. That's that's the word. Uh, weatherizing and retrofitting. Um, I know that New Hampshire saves the rebate plan was recently just completely gutted and taken off the table. Uh, I did see that there is a new bill to reinstate it that won't be subject to some of the same issues that the that the prior program was subject to. But if that doesn't go through, or even if it does, I'm wondering how you see energy reduction, that kind of thing being part of the plan and whether there's a way that we can tackle that on a local level so that we don't have to be subject to the statewide stuff. You read our minds. Reducing energy use is a huge part of the plan. Um, it, it, I mean, it's, it's cheaper for everybody, right? If you don't use energy, you don't have to pay for it. So it's free. Right. Um, right. The other reason to 
to support energy efficiency is that the overarching goal or the overarching strategy of getting to 100% renewable is to first green up the electricity grid Mm -hmm. and then run most everything else on that green electricity. So transitioning cars from internal combustion engines to EVs and transitioning the the overwhelming uh, number of homes that are heated by oil and uh, and propane to mostly uh, electric heat pumps. And certainly there is a role for clean and efficient uh, biomass, but most homes are going to probably go with electricity. And so we really need to reduce the amount of electricity required for any individual part of that because we're going to be adding so much to the grid as far as the load uh, because we're going to be electrifying so many in so many of the other sectors. And so it's it's imperative that we we become as efficient as possible. Um, and it it's a really happy you know synergism that it also is the cheapest way to do it. <laughs> it you know, it, the cheapest electricity is the electricity you don't use. Right. <laughs> right. And I'm glad you said that because it's, um, that, that's really a, kind of a key detail and something that I don't think I had my arms around fully is just this idea that, that we're going to green the grid and then put everything on the grid. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a really interesting point I think for people to take away from this mm-hmm. is that, Cause, cause that is, that's a, that is tangible, even though we, we don't have all the answers, you know, and everything, but even just that part, I think is, is a little bit further than, than people sometimes hear, you know, in terms of like, how do we get from A to B, you know? Um, and, and I think you mentioned Bob in the, um, in terms of the survey that's on there about, um, you know, people are, are giving input on, um, on energy mixes and stuff like that. Um, for for people who haven't necessarily given this a ton of thought in terms of what that would look like, like what are what are some of the the things that people talk about in terms of how we green the grid in terms of that split? Um, I mean, are, are we talking like a lot of hydro mixed with wind mixed with um, solar? Um, what what's on the table? Well, certainly hydro, solar, and, and wind are, are all on the table, uh, particularly offshore wind. Uh, and as part of this, we do want to see more locally generated solar power, as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that not everybody is in a position to put solar panels on their house, but it is possible to have a project call a, that would make use of community solar, mm-hmm. where the solar array would be sited at a convenient location and a group of people would be able to benefit from the electricity produced by that array. I I can tell you that the municipal campus design that uh, currently working on where they're going to move the fire station, rebuild the fire station, but it's also going to be a campus that eventually evolve into uh, the police department and renovations of the DPW barn and and the community center. All of those buildings are being Cited uh, and 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 fitted for such uh, you know solar arrays, not only to operate that facility, 
but to produce additional electricity to allow it for additional town usage. So um, it's, those are it's the been great to see. It's been great to see the library come online with with their solar right. array, and of course we have the big Conval array on the roof of the high school, mm-hmm. just open, right? Yeah, and so so some of the so a lot of what I'm hearing here is to to just to kind of put it another way is is a lot of kind of decentralized energy generation, right? I mean, it's it, it's not just local, but it's it's we're not doing a lot of like one big say a plant or something that's that's. <laughs> But 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 along those lines, and obviously this is this is um, a topic that is itself, you know, outside of the scope of, of Peterborough um, necessarily. But w- when we're talking about um, you know like greening the grid from where it is now, and you know, and from from coal and natural gas and things like that, and um, but also with you know, and and you know, we'll we'll try to add efficiencies and, and reduce the usage. But with this understanding that ultimately we're going to try to put home heating and vehicles onto the grid, how how do you guys feel about the idea of some newer nuclear technology? So, like, even if we 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 rely as much as we can on on decentralized, um, you know, traditional renewables and everything like that. But to really kind of get that that bang for it, you know, I mean, we haven't built a nuclear power plant in this country in since the seventies, um, at least. Uh, I mean, how I've read a little bit about this and and know that. While there are risks with nuclear power, it is not as as much of a pollutant or, or CO2 generator as our fossil fuels are. And you, you get a lot of energy from it. Can I try that one? Absolutely. <laughs> so, so when we decided our defin- on our definition of renewable energy... We did not include nuclear. We see, we do see it as, you know, something to keep online. Like we don't advocate right now closing down Seabrook, mm-hmm. but once we get offshore wind up and running, I would advocate for for shutting down Seabrook. What we can get from nuclear power gets dwarfed by what we can get from offshore wind. And wow. so okay. to, to me, the, the focus should be developing offshore wind, and then we don't need to have this discussion. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good answer. Yeah, nuclear might just give you too much bang for your buck. <laughs> right. yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, I, I realize, yeah, it does have that potential. Yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, we are up against um, time here. Is there anything else that you guys want to share with the listeners and viewers before we go? Like I said, I will include all the links to everything that you mentioned in the show notes for folks to find you guys. Um, but, but anything else we want to um, put out there? Well, other than the fact that we are going to have a plan available um, on the ballot this coming spring uh, regarding community power, uh, a plan is being developed as we speak, and the uh, uh, the legislature, our citizenry, can uh, will be able to vote uh, whether they want to adopt a community power. So that's the only other piece of this whole puzzle that I really wanted to include. But Great. to just be clear that that's for community power, not for not the renewable oh. energy plan. It's right. it's the smaller gotcha. piece. Yep. 
Um, but it's an important first step. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, keep, keep your eyes out for the, we have a regular column in the paper, uh, which will appear on the fourth Tuesday of each month. Mm-hmm. Uh, the website, prepnh.org, will have increasing numbers of resources available for people to, to take advantage of. And, uh, of course, the plan as we develop it will be appearing there. And if there are folks who have expertise in both uh, data and finance uh, to, to let us know if you're interested in, in sharing that expertise with PrEP and joining us in exploring how to use those skills. We so Chris and, uh, and Zoe, thanks once again for allowing us to give our pers- perspective on PrEP, huh? Absolutely. Thank you yes. guys for coming and sharing. Um, like I said to you, I, I think this is a this is a beneficial session for for our listeners to hear about. Um, I mean, I, I've learned a lot just just sitting here just now. So I, I suspect um, there'll be a lot of folks um, learning some new things here. We would love to be able to present uh, the um, community power segment of this and maybe some future episode yeah please um, yeah please come yeah by all means yeah we yeah we'd love to do that um yeah we can set that up anytime that'd be great thank you yeah excellent great. well thank you all for your work um you know it's I, I i know it's 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 hard work to kind of you know start a task force like this from scratch and uh tackle such a huge I- issue um so it is appreciated and um it, it really was great to hear from you all today Thanks, Chris. Thank you so much. See you in our show. Take care.